Chapter twenty two of the Grell Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Blashford. The Grell Mystery by Frank Froust. Chapter twenty two. Sir Hilary Thornton lifted his coat tails to the cheerful blaze as he stood with his back to the fireplace. Heldon Foyle, with the book which he was giving his nights and days to compiling on the desk in front of him, sat bolt upright in his chair talking swiftly. He was giving an account of the progress of the investigation. Now and again he ran a well-manicured finger down the typewritten index and turned the pages over quickly to refer to a statement, a plan, or a photograph. Or he would lift one of the speaking tubes behind his desk and send for some man who had been charged with some inquiry to question him on his report. "'These youngsters are all the same,' he complained querulously. "'They will put flowers into their reports. It is always a beast of a job to make him understand that we want a fact, plain and prompt.' They can do it all right in the witness-box, but when they get a pen in their hand they fancy they're budding Shakespeare's. The old hands know better. He passed from this outburst to particulars of what had happened. The assistant commissioner listened gravely, now and again interpolating a question or a suggestion. Foyle rapidly ran over the case, emphasising his points with a tap of his finger on the pile of papers. "'We're progressing a little, though not so fast as I'd like. We know that Grell is alive, that he is in touch with Ivan Abramovich and Lola Rochelle, or the Princess Petrovska, as she calls herself. There is at least one other man in it, probably more. It's fairly certain that Grell knows who killed Harry Goldenberg, even if he didn't do it himself. Goldenberg was apparently dressed in Grell's clothes before he was killed.' It is clear now that the clothes were his own with Grell's belongings put in the pockets. A Mexican dagger was used. That may be or may not be of importance. Grell has travelled in Mexico. We have eliminated Ivan and Sir Ralph Fairfield as the actual murderers, nor do the Princess Petrovska's fingerprints agree. I had Bolt take the fingerprints of all the servants in the house, so that we are sure that none of them actually committed the crime. All this narrows the investigation. If we find Grell, we are in a fair way to finding the author of the murder. Sir Hilary Thornton stroked his moustache doubtfully. "'That's all very well, Foyle, but Mr. Grell is hardly the sort of man to commit murder. I gather that your suspicions point to him. Besides, where is the motive?' "'Every man is the sort of man to commit murder,' retorted the superintendent quickly. "'You can't class assassins. All murders must be looked upon as problems in psychology. Mind you, I don't say that Grell did have a hand in this murder. I am merely summing up the cold facts. Why should he disappear? Why should he mix himself up with the shady crew he is with, people who have twice tried to murder me, and who knocked out and kidnapped Waverley?' If we find him, we shall find the murderer. That's why I wanted the description of Goldenberg sent out. It makes work. I've got two men out of town now working on statements made at Plymouth and Nottingham, which I feel sure will have no result, but it gives us a sporting chance to nail him if he tries to leave the country. Another line we're looking after is money. He's failed with Fairfield. Lola had a try with Lady Eileen Meredith, who handed over her jewels. We stepped in, bagged him, and gave him back to the Duke of Burley. All this means he'll have to make some desperate try for cash soon." "'In fact, it's check,' commented Sir Hilary, who was something of a chess-player. "'Now you're manoeuvring for checkmate.' "'Precisely,' said Foyle. "'I've been trying, too, to get hold of something about Goldenberg. "'Neither we nor the American police have yet been able to connect him up with Grell. "'We're still trying, though. "'Sooner or later we shall get hold of something. "'And there's Lola. "'If we could have got Wills to identify her as the veiled woman, "'we should have had a very good excuse for arresting her in spite of her alibi. "'She's the sort of woman who would prepare an alibi.' We've not got any proof that she knew Goldenberg. That's our great difficulty now, to link up the various persons and find out how they've been associated with each other before. There's one thing, sir. I've managed to get the inquest adjourned for a month, so we shan't have to make any premature disclosures in evidence. The newspapers are still hanging about. They got wind that something was happening at Malchester Row, and there were a dozen or more men waiting for me when I came out. I told them that we'd been trying to identify a woman and had failed. They'd have known that anyway. 
They promised to be discreet. They're good chaps. It isn't like the old days. There was one man, Winters his name was, who came up to the yard to see me once. He was told I was at Vine Street. He went down there and was told I hadn't been there. Here's a piece of luck, he says to himself, and went back to his office. There he wrote up a couple of columns telling how the whole of the CID had lost trace of me. I came out of Bow Street, where I'd been giving evidence in a case, to see a big contents bill staring me in the face. Famous detective vanishes. Before I could buy a paper, another newspaper chap comes along. He stared at me as if I was a ghost. Hello, he says. Don't you know you're lost? Every press man in London is looking for you. Am I? says I. How? Then it all came out. Since then I've been very careful in dealing with newspaper men. Sir Hilary laughed and nodded. Is there anything more? he asked. Yes. Foyle had grown grave once more. I handed over the cipher that we found at Grave Street to Jones, to see if he could make anything out of it. He's an expert at these kind of puzzles. Well, he's just reported that the thing is simple as it stands, though in other circumstances it might be difficult. The translation runs, This will be the best method of communicating with E.M. if L. supplies her with key. Her phone number, 12845 Gerard. End of chapter 22